This is the warlord. One half of the powers of pain. You better listen, or I'm coming for you. <laughs> it's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. They think they got the answers. I change the question. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. These are the best in the world, brother. These are the best in what they do. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. Another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast. Now can you dig that, sucker? <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another wrestling podcast. I'm Steve Credo. And I'm Jonathan Benjamin. And this is episode 102. Jonathan, my head hurts. It's been a long weekend of WrestleMania. I'm kind of a little bit hungover from the whole event. And I didn't even drink. I'm just, there's been so much wrestling on for the past week. I I, I don't know what to do anymore. You're, You're WrestleMania wasted. That's the hashtag WrestleMania wasted. Jonathan, before we even get talking about everything that happened this weekend, who's stopping by? Well, I'll tell you who's stopping by. Uh, it's somebody who used to just haunt my my nightmares at night. Um, the Warlord. I was. Uh, I'm. I'm not too proud to say that I was terrified by this gentleman uh, as as a child. Uh, one half of the powers of pain. And then he went on to be just the warlord, and uh, he was—he's a huge guy. He's like uh, very terrifying, but I can't wait to talk to him. Hopefully, he doesn't, you know, take anything out on us. And I'm—I'm uh, I'm excited to talk to this gentleman today. Wow, definitely, definitely, stay tuned for this one. The warlord will be in the AWP studios very shortly. But uh, Jonathan, uh, you know, briefly, let's get into this, man. My head still hurts from uh, what was happening. Uh, what were your thoughts about WrestleMania this week, man? Wow, uh, WrestleMania week in general, I was um, I was very happy about. I was glad to see uh, the Mick Foley Stone Cold podcast, and uh, we got some you know some news out of that. They're going to start a show, uh, Holy Foley, <laughs> as they said. Um, Noel Foley is actually wanting to become a wrestler, so uh, we'll see where this goes. But um, I think that the week went off really well. All the you know everything, whether it be the Hall of Fame to NXT Takeover to WrestleMania. Um, I was very, very happy about. Um, I was a little apprehensive about the Hall of Fame class this year, but then actually watching the Hall of Fame event, it really changed my mind, and I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, man. Uh, same here. You know, everybody always talks like, "Oh, why is this guy going in before this guy?" and, and yada yada yada. But regardless, man, the Hall of Fame. You know, it, it's fun to hear from all these guys. Uh, and girls, actually, too, uh, you know, just to get to hear their speeches, you know, fun little anecdotal stories of, you know, of them getting inducted and all that stuff. It's it's a fun time, you know. It's it's the night before WrestleMania. Um, granted, you can't put all the A-listers in at once, you know what I'm saying? You got to mix it up a little bit. Uh, and it's it's still fun, man. It's still fun to listen to every each and every year. Each and every year this happens. Everybody gets upset that, you know, somebody's going in before somebody else, but... At the end of the day, it's still a great show uh, for the weekend. So I had fun. I, I loved listening to him. Uh, Vader, though, I don't think 
I don't think he knows that he's not going into the Hall of Fame. I think he was a little bit confused. Maybe he thought it was for him, but uh, a little bit. They carried on a little bit, but uh, it, was, it was still fun hearing from him. Yeah, and you know what? Like, uh, it was a good mix. There were some classic stories, like with the the Freebirds, and there were some great, you know, um, <laughs> just great. The, yeah, I I would have loved to have been around during that time and uh, actually been in Texas whenever the Freebirds and Von Erichs were were fighting. But uh, you know, just to hear some of the stories that Terry Gordy, uh, you know, was a part of was great. But it was awesome to see uh, Jesse from uh, Jesse and Festus. Um, <laughs> Ray Gordy Jr. Um, there at the Hall of Fame ceremony. Slam Master Jay was back, and uh, I, I hear he's a police officer now. But uh, it would have been it would have been great to you know if if he could come back and wrestle. I I always liked you know the Jesse and Festus. I thought it was one of the best things going. But uh, I was I was sad whenever he left. But it was good to see him on uh, on Hall of Fame day. Yeah, and I. <laughs> I was laughing so much because, you know, uh, it was great hearing the stories from Michael P.S. Hayes. I like to call him Doc Hendricks still. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, he started singing the song at the end of the the end of the end Hall of Fame. And I was like, all right. And then it was just like, wow, he's going to really sing it till the very end. <laughs> like, I, I thought he'd do a few seconds of it, jump up and down, and that was it. But <laughs> he, 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 he did he the whole song. <laughs> he went for the whole thing. Yeah, uh, he... Uh, <laughs> during the song he looked around he read the room and he said you know what i'm gonna do the other half of this song i think that this is great they're digging it so, i know uh, that was hilarious that was pretty funny yeah uh, uh, it was yeah it was a great man i'm so like i said i'm still i gotta get some aspirin or something you know i'm still just like i'm in a wrestling days right now but uh before we even talk about a lot of the stuff that happened this weekend jonathan i know it's really early uh but do you have any predictions of Maybe one match you would love to see happen at next year's Mania. Um, just judging by what happened this year at Mania and what could have happened this year had there not been a lot of injuries, I really believe that Undertaker may retire next year. I know everybody says that every year, but um, the match that I see happening uh, is is John Cena versus the Undertaker, and um. You know, really, that would kind of cement his legacy. Um, either, you know, whatever, both of their legacies, to be completely honest. So um, that's the only match that I can really come up with that has any real shot of uh, happening. I can sit here and toy around with the idea of a triple threat match uh, with the Shield for the WWE Championship, which would be awesome. But um, I think that if that happens, we'll get that sooner rather than later. Definitely. I think the only thing I want to throw out there is just to change it up a bit. I mean, last year at WrestleMania 31, we had a ladder match for the IC belt. Great match. But this year, we had a ladder match for the IC belt. A great match, but I felt like just, I don't know, change it up a little bit. Um, I think because if we have one constant, it should be that Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and that's fine with me. But I don't know. I just like to see different matches. And don't get me wrong. I loved when uh, Money in the Bank was a match at WrestleMania. Uh, <coughs> but, you know, I don't know. I just I feel like I don't want two of the same – I don't want a lot of the similar matches happening every year. Uh, but regardless, too, next year, please, no DDP or no Tatanka in the in the Battle Royal. I just, that's the only thing I didn't get. I understood Shaq, but I, 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 I was kind of confused because it was like – 
is this a gimmick battle royal now, or is it meant for everybody who really wasn't on Mania? And I don't know. It was a little confusing, but overall, it's WrestleMania. It's a great time, and I still, you know, whatever happens next year, I just hope it's a little bit different. But at the end of the day, Jonathan, I guess that's that's what uh, that's what we're going to be talking about soon. But uh, let's hear it from everybody out there. Uh, the AWP hotline is open. Let us know what your thoughts were from WrestleMania weekend. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to call, please call 802-297-7672. That's 802-AWP-7672. And uh, leave us a promo. Tell us what you love. Tell us what you hate. Tell us about anything that's on your mind in the world of pro wrestling. What I love is some good, real wrestling, you know, some styles and Jericho, you know, that kind of, that match, probably the height of the card, other than the McMahon, uh, oh my God spot. That's probably the biggest, oh my God, uh, could be since Hogan slammed Andre, in my opinion. In, the, in this generation, most definitely the biggest oh my god moment in WrestleMania history since uh, three when uh, Andre got slammed for sure. Well, to continue this WrestleMania hangover, uh, WrestleMania wasted hashtag, um, we are going to talk a little bit about NXT TakeOver. Uh, just our thoughts on the whole show. I. <laughs> to be completely honest, we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. Um, I don't want to take anything away from WrestleMania or the people who were on it or anything like that. And I am by no means uh, a, a uh, armchair booker, as uh, I would call myself. But uh, I think the NXT TakeOver as a whole was damn near perfect. I don't think that there was too much more that could have happened to have made that event any better um i mean i'm just gonna get right into it so <clears throat> with nakamura debuting going against Sami Zayn, um it was one of the best matches wrestling that i've ever seen in my entire life and i know a lot of people are saying that but um i'm currently looking at my collection of dvds and blu-ray and everything else and i've watched a lot of wrestling in my time so i i really sincerely believe that this match um, if I could give it a thousand stars, I would. Um, and and you know, Nakamura absolutely impressed, and I think is the future of not only NXT but could be the future of the WWE at some point. Uh, what were your thoughts on this match? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. You know, I I knew Nakamura. I've seen some of his work in uh, Ring of Honor. I saw some of his matches over New Japan, but I never really, you know, hardcore watched him. I kind of, I didn't want to Google him. I didn't want to go on YouTube and watch every one of his matches. I kind of wanted to take this as like a fresh point of view from him. You know what I mean? So like I knew of him, I seen some of his stuff, but I didn't want to go crazy of like watching every match of this guy. Uh, you know, the entrance alone, man, uh, the entrance makes a person these days. He has one of the best entrances just just, I don't know, his character, or just his mannerisms, just everything he does from the moment he walks out to the moment he gets in the ring is just, you know, it's amazing. It just makes me, gets me sucked in more to watch what else this guy is going to do in the match. And uh, who better to fight 
than Sami Zayn. Uh, granted, you know, Sami's now on the main roster, but one hell of a match. I mean, this was I, this should have been at WrestleMania uh, to have this kind of a match. But, uh, you know, it, it was different, you know. It was it was fast-paced, but it was definitely – he had a different style, uh, strong style, right? Uh, but, you know, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I love being able to watch a match and I can get lost into it and not, like, nitpick it being like, why did he do that or what are they doing, you know. Like, I watched it and enjoyed it, and I think that's the best thing you, you can take away from this match, that it was an enjoyable match and an enjoyable debut. Absolutely. Uh, I, I thought one of the best things and most telling things were uh, some of the fan chants during this match, and one was Fight Forever. And uh, I really believe that that is uh, not only one of the best fan chants ever, but uh, how most of us felt. I can't imagine too many people uh, didn't enjoy this match. And, you know, it was a perfect mix of athleticism and uh, storytelling because, you know, Sami Zayn's like the, you know, he was like the the guy in NXT. And, you know, he's uh, protecting his yard or whatever you want to say from this new guy coming in. And uh, they, you know... Uh, hopefully Shinsuke is here to Shin stay, if you will. Um, and, uh, I can't wait to see what he does in, in NXT really. But Jonathan, did you see the smile from Sami Zayn before he walked out? Cause like he was marking out a little bit for himself that he's about to fight Nakamura on this pay-per-view. It was kind of funny. I, I was like, <laughs> I just loved seeing him break a little bit of character right there. He was happy that, you know, this match was happening. So it just made it more enjoyable to watch. I think, I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he he was really pumped about it. And, um, you know, I think that I've, I've heard that um, Sammy's like one of the nicest people around. And if that's the case, uh, I'm just so happy that he's getting all this success. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be great to see what they both do in the coming years. That's right. Now, Jonathan, you know, one of the, the best matches of the night, too, uh, was a tag team match with the Revival coming in as the champs, taking on American Alpha. Uh, what can you tell me about this? Because I think, you know, the fans are really behind American Alpha right now, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't bump them up anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, American Alpha is one of those teams that just seriously got thrown together. And who would have known that they would have went on to enjoy this much success? Uh, Jason Jordan was kind of, I don't want to say he was floundering, but literally, you know, they didn't, they didn't know what to do with him. And I almost thought that he would get... Uh, you know, uh, future endeavor, if you will. But um, they put him with Gable, and you know now they have magic. And the revival are no slouches either. You know they're uh, two great wrestlers, throwbacks, if you will. And uh, I'm very excited for the possibility of these guys wrestling again down the road. And uh, American Alpha are your new champions, and uh, I look forward to a a reforming almost of the NXT tag team scene, because as we will talk about soon, uh, some of the NXT teams are now, uh, main roster teams. So that's right. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, well, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You can do it. No, that's right. <laughs> well, something that I'm going to come back to a bunch, probably whenever we're talking about this, uh, are the women and, uh, whether it be NXT takeover or whether it be WrestleMania, um, and, I, you know, who would have thunk in 2016 that I would be talking about the great shape that women's wrestling is in currently. Um, but Bailey uh, came in as champion, taking on Asuka. Uh, they did not disappoint, Steve. 
No, they did not at all. And I was kind of surprised. I mean, I, at one point, I like I was like, eh, maybe, you know, this might be the time that she's going to lose. And at the same time, I was like, well, maybe not. And, uh, you know, hey, uh, it was a, it was a great match. I don't think maybe the best Bailey could have done or uh, that she has done uh, in the past, especially with her Iron Woman match and all that stuff. But uh, I think it was still a great match. It was still, you know, I, I think Asuka is definitely going to be a great champion to follow Bailey's footsteps. And, you know, I honestly thought with her losing, she would have been moved up uh, last week uh, on Raw or even Mania some, uh, at one point. But, you know, the fans are really behind her. And, uh, you know, I think it's a good transition. I, I think, you know, Asuka is going to be a great champion. Uh, and Bailey, like I said, or I think we talked about it once, uh, once upon a time, but you know, if you asked me about, you know, a year ago or so about Bailey being the women's champion down there in NXT, I would have been like, eh, maybe for a little bit. I thought she'd been like a little transitional champion, but she's definitely, you know, coming to her own, uh, and definitely, you know, showed the world of what she can do. And, you know, it was, it is what it is. And it was one hell of a match. Yeah. And you know what? Like these women, are going to end up eventually on the main roster, but they are inspiring just, you know, girl, young girl after young girl, woman after woman to get into this business. And, uh, you know, if that's if one thing came out of this weekend, it's just how passionate these women are about wrestling. And uh, it's, it's very encouraging to see. And I hope that that kind of trickles down through all of wrestling and that you see some of these people come in that really – love wrestling and love what they're doing you know i think that there are people in the wrestling business uh, i'll get off my soapbox in a minute but uh th- i think there are some people in the wrestling business that do it because the pay is pretty good and they get to travel the world and all that but uh i think a lot of those people are sh- slowly but surely getting replaced by people that actually love wrestling and want to be there and uh we saw that for sure in this match Definitely. And uh, Jonathan, really quick, too, you know, the, the main event uh, was Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe. Uh, right off the top of this match, Jonathan, Samoa Joe, uh, you know, cracked his face, I want to say. He was bleeding from his forehead right up into the first, like, seconds of this match. Um, you know, and granted, hey, it's wrestling and uh, things happen like this. I'm glad they didn't stop it. I'm glad he was okay. But, you know... Him bleeding and all the medical attention made this match even, you know, a must-see. You know, I can't even think English anymore just speaking about it, but a, a must-see match uh, of just what was going on with it because, like, is he going to be bleeding too much? Are they going to have to stop it? What's going to happen? It just made it more intriguing, more real, more, you know, anything than any other match happening. And, you know, granted, I know they stray away from blood on uh, pro wrestling these days, but, you know, it, it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> things like this happen, and it, it just made the match more intriguing to watch of, you know, what could happen if he's bleeding like this? Can he pass out? Uh, will they stop the match? You know, all this uh, it just led up to a bigger match, I think, than what it was originally. Yeah, and uh, if you follow, if, you know, if you guys follow us on Twitter, um, you would see that you know we were live tweeting a lot of these shows, and uh, I had mentioned that I'm not a huge fan of gratuitous blood. You know, you see it a lot in the old ECW days or whatever, and I know they had the reasons for it, and it created the Attitude Era, and you know, wrestling has never been the same since. But uh, there was something about that blood that really made that feud even more than it was it made it more intense it culminated you know so much differently than it would have i think if joe hadn't been busted open but um i can't wait to see 
them fight again and again and again. And I think that, you know, down the line, Joe will be your NXT champion. And uh, I, I'm just looking forward to it. I think that TakeOver, like I said, was as near perfect of an event as it could be. Definitely. And I, I'm a, if Finn Balor's listening out there, and I know he probably is because he was on episode 100, but uh, I would love to see some uh, new updated uh, body paints for this man. Uh, that was his thing back then before he joined the WWE. So I, I want to see a change in what he does just because uh, – give us something different a little bit. But he, he, regardless, Jonathan, it was one hell of a start to WrestleMania weekend. All right. Well, if you've been listening for the past couple weeks, you know that we have Jason Sensation. He's been joining us for his segment called Jason Regeneration. Now, we all know Jason as a very talented and funny guy, but in the world of celebrity, uh, even in the world of sports entertainment, um, you know, you never really know what's going on behind the, you know, behind the curtain. So Jason asked for this time, the this week and next week, to kind of come on and maybe clear the air, uh, mend some fences, and try to maybe apologize to some of the people that he hurt along the way. Uh, this is a, a, a more serious side of Jason's sensation, but it's still very important. And uh, there's some great messages out there that uh, that Jason's going to talk about. And uh, we hope you enjoy this just as much as the first two weeks. Hey, this is Jason's sensation with Jason Regeneration. And uh, I'm here on another wrestling podcast this week to talk more on the serious side about myself. Um, and if I, if I ended up, if I end up going along to going on too long, then, uh, maybe we can split this up into a two-parter, but we'll see how it goes. I'm just going to try to get this off my chest and try to get to the point. And, um, for the last, I don't know, close to a decade now, I have, you know, you, like everybody who's in the wrestling business may know, may remember me for that 15 minutes of fame of doing Owen Hart impression with Degeneration X and uh, my stint with WWE getting to do impersonations and uh, the short time I traveled around with them. And I ended up, I was uh, actually uh, working a three-year contract and it wasn't just for the short time that I, and most people had seen me on WWE and I actually worked for them for three years. And uh, to get down to the, maybe I'm just, I'm just going to try to go back and explain where I came from, how I got there and what's happened to me after. Because I've been carrying around this pretty heavy bag of resentment and pain and frustration and broken dreams for a long time, and I I really want to set the bag down. I want to get it off my shoulders, and I just want to to finally move on from that. I I think it's important to try to maybe explain myself and uh, how I got here, and maybe just explaining what's in the bag for one last time in a positive state of mind instead of just letting it out with such negativity as I've done in the past. Maybe that might be good for me. And uh, I appreciate uh, Steve and Jonathan from from another wrestling podcast giving me the opportunity to do so. So I'm grateful. Um, So, you know, as a kid... I grew up loving the business and, you know, I was hot. I, I didn't have the greatest childhood, but I hid in the fantasy of wrestling and I loved wrestling so much that, you know, it kept me, um, you know, 
basically occupied in my mind, living in a fantasy world, in a dream world. And uh, as I grew and as I went to school and started to have to, um, you know, uh, uh, interact with society and interact with different people, I used wrestling as a persona. I used wrestling, uh, being a wrestling fan, as my persona, you know, and uh, it began to help me interact with people. And impressions was my gift. And uh, I learned impressions of all of my heroes, and they were wrestlers. So, you know, it began with the Macho Man, and it went on from there. And slowly but surely, I found that I could impersonate more than wrestlers. And I, uh, I dreamed of being the next main gene. I dreamed of, you know, being the stick guy in WWE in the future. And I thought that maybe that could be me, you know. And I put all my eggs in one basket and kept that dream from the time I was a child. And uh, I loved wrestling, and I, I stayed hidden in this fantasy world. And, um, you know, I, I, I used it to not deal, have to deal with my reality so much that I could uh, hide in wrestling. And, uh, you know, as I... Be- got popular in high school I learned more impressions and it became such a thing for me to impersonate wrestlers and entertain people and people just loved it and uh, it became my persona the wrestling guy that's the wrestling guy that's macho man that's the macho man that's the sacred heartbreak kid that's the high school I went to it you know um I learned these impressions and I went on dreaming that maybe I could use these impressions to get into WWE. And the dream came true. And uh, I've, I've shared so many stories over the years of how I got there. But uh, once I was there and once I had been on TV and I realized my dream to the point of at least the doors open and I've walked through the door, um, it, 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 it it's a very cutthroat business and it became very hard for me to keep my job and to stay afloat with all of these superstars and uh, to continue on the pace I was going. And one thing after another, you know, not all things work out as we imagine they're going to. And one thing after another led to me, uh, it led to me, you know, basically losing my dream and uh, my dream getting cut short. And it was, it was one thing after the other. And it, it, there were a lot of people that, you know, were nervous to lose their jobs as I, as I see it now. And I think that, you know, I was the threat to some people behind the microphones and some of the people that their only time on television was getting to promote the events and getting to do slam jams or getting to be in Connecticut selling the upcoming pay-per-views. And I was a threat to those people. Those were jobs were promised to me. And when I first got there, I mean, I mean, the office loved me. Shane loved me. Um, Vince Russo, huge fan of mine. Um, Bruce Pritchard was calling me and trying to get me to move to Connecticut. And I, I, I was basically, I was loved by so many in the office. And there were people that I thought loved me that maybe didn't love me so much. And uh, um, I remember basically what, what, cut, what cut my on-air um, capacity my on-air popularity short uh, was getting caught crossing the border without a green card. And um, I didn't have a green card. I've been begging for it for a couple of months now. And 
I'd been going over the border back and forth, and I got finally got recognized by immigration. And they said, hey, we saw you on Raw. We're not letting you buy without a green card. And I hadn't even signed a contract yet, and I was forced to stay in Canada. And now I had agents calling me and uh, agents wanting to get me to try to go to WCW and telling me that I could be a millionaire now already. I could just become a millionaire if I... You know, up and went to WCW. I'd already debuted. I'd already been um, impersonating Owen Hart on television with B Generation X. And now I was stuck at home and I didn't have a contract. And some of these agents calling me were telling me, hey, you could sell yourself to Bischoff. Now he'll give you a, he'll give you a million a year to make fun of the WWE stars. And there was kind of an uproar going on behind the scenes to keep a hold of me now. And Vince McMahon and Vince Russo and Triple H were calling me and Triple H was offering me his, um, his, his, uh, agent at the time. I think his name was Barry Bloom. I think his name was. And, um, Vince Russo called me on behalf of Vince McMahon and literally on behalf of Vince McMahon begged me not to sign with Barry Bloom, not to sign with any agents, not to, um, turn my back on WWE now and run off to WCW and that Vince would sign me to a three-year contract. Vince Russo told me as per Vince McMahon, I would be signed to a three-year contract and they promised to um, stick to that contract no matter what, whether I was on TV or not, whether I didn't, no matter what happened, they would keep that contract going and I would get that three years and they guaranteed that if I was loyal to them, that they would be loyal to me for the three years. And I just, I laughed at it almost as if, guys, you don't have nothing to worry about. This has been my dream since I was a little kid to be in WWE. So I, I went with this dream and I, I went with their, their offer and said, you have nothing to worry about. Send the contract in the mail. I'll sign it with Carl DeMarco and WWE Canada at the head office there and you have got you guys have nothing to worry about you have my loyalty you have my word and i stuck to my word and i gotta give them credit they stuck vince mcmahon stuck in his word i was signed to a three-year contract and uh they fulfilled that contract i was on tv with wwe for maybe two months uh, i was on the road with them only for canadian tours and uh you know, the last six months of the contract, I moved out to Memphis, and that's where I managed Brian Kendrick and Brian Danielson and uh, Lance Cade and Shooter Schultz, and was part of the Shawn Michaels students' clique there. And that was the end of my contract. So I, I, I worked. I, I worked a three-year contract for WWE, but um, you know, a lot of bad things seem to have happened to me. That I just, I just want to take this bag off and. You know, I got sick in 2006, and, uh, you know, there's a real stigma around mental illness, and, you know, a lot of people who suffer from mental illness don't want to come forward and don't want to talk about it because there's such a stigma around it. And I remember when I first got sick, I was afraid to talk about it. I would put out videos explaining that I was sick, but not wanting to explain my illness, and I mean, some, some trollers got really, really disgusting with me. Like they would put on really disgusting things on the internet about, you know, the different illnesses that I'm suffering from and what I'm dying from. And Jason's dying from this and dying from that. And 
and just saw it as a mistake to even begin to talk about it after. And I became embarrassed about it. And so I never talked about it. And I saw all this awful stuff put on the internet about me. So I just, I didn't want to talk about it, but it's mental illnesses I was dealing with. And it was a number of them, not just depression, but bipolar disorder and mood swings and psychosis. And these are, you know, major issues with, um, mental illness that I've been suffering from for the better part of a decade now and diagnosed with and on disability I'm actually mentally disabled. So when I first began to get sick, I, I guess it was when everything was falling apart in my life and you know, my wife at the time was leaving me and she couldn't deal with me being so depressed from my mom dying and uh my brother being so sick and me, my brother Johnny, who calls himself Johnny Blood Clot because he he's had the worst blood clot you've ever you've ever, you could ever imagine. It's in the history books here in Canada for being one of the worst blood clots a human being's been diagnosed with. And uh, he's a real you know miracle that he's alive and his body was able to live through it and uh, survive through it. And he still lives with this giant blood clot every day. He turned it into a wrestling gimmick, or he turned it into a gimmick anyway. He's actually a musician, but he was just as much a wrestling fan as I was growing up, and he had just as much, uh, as many dreams as I did about being part of the business. And anyhow, I was trying to get to the point here, but you can see it's it's sort of a long story here, and um, that's why I'm afraid I might go past my time here this week. It might, might take a couple of episodes to explain this, but anyhow... So when I first went off the deep end, and I see it as having a mental, basically a mental breakdown. Uh, I had some issues going on with me, and professionally, I had some issues professionally where I was being bullied, and it was bringing back a lot of awful memories from my childhood and a lot of awful memories from working in WWE and some of the bad things that had happened to me there. And you know, I I kind of went AWOL and just began to go nuts. I, I started doing podcasts for these guys in Toronto that, you know, they just loved having me on and exploiting me, not knowing totally that I was mentally ill, but like, if you just listen to one of the podcasts of me going off the deep end, you would know that I was mentally ill. And, uh, these guys had a fun with it. Like, they let me go off and just you know, shoot as much as I wanted to. And it was, maybe helping their show, but it wasn't really helping me for the long run, but you know, that, that wasn't an issue at all for them. It was just like, go nuts, Jason, let it all off your chest. And they were encouraging it. And so that's what I did. I went nuts and I let it all off my chest in such a negative way. I screamed it. I wasn't negative. I wasn't uh, medicated at the time. And I wasn't, a lot of my illnesses had not been diagnosed fully. So I was still at the beginning of a long road that I'm still on. And uh, I really freaked. I really let a lot of stuff off my chest in negative ways. And I, you know, I, I wish I could take back the way I, the way I, I, I just let it off my chest. And some of the things I said about the people that I felt had abused me and I felt had bullied me in WWE, I just really... I couldn't calm my anger down. I was basically suffering from bipolar disorder and I would just flip out in the middle of doing some of these shows and some of the stuff coming out of my mouth was really disgusting. It wasn't just on 
podcasts, I was going and I was calling some of them and leaving messages for them, you know, um, on their on the Connecticut office numbers. I mean, I'd seen them, some of them joking about it on Raw, and I could see that it, the messages had got through, and it was almost a joke. But the the, the real joke was was the real. It wasn't a joke that I was suffering from an illness, and. Um, I can't go back and take back some of those answering machine messages I left, and I can't go back and take off some of those shoot interviews that are still, you know, you can find them on Google and you can find people uh, exploiting them and people trolling them and people taking things out of context and making them worse on Google. And, you know, I feel like that's probably why I'm blackballed from WWE and I've never got another opportunity to go back. I've never been called to go back. I'm, so many fans thought that what I was doing was a great part of the show and a great addition to the show. And I was a character that, and the talent that uh, of something new that hadn't really been done before. Someone who just straightly does impressions. And, you know, I have that claim to fame and there's, there were some impersonators before me and some impersonators after me in wrestling, but no one has that claim to be the impersonator of all the wrestlers. And, you know, I've I, I got that claim to fame, but there's this dark cloud over it, you know, and I, I just want to release this dark cloud and I, I want to, you know, get to the bottom of getting it off my shoulders. And, you know, I'm, I, I wrote a book. I wrote a book when I was suffering at the beginning of suffering, but the, the book is filled with so much hate and anger and heartache and frustration and resentment that I... I never wanted to let it out there because I never, I'd seen that now I would be remembered on the internet as this angry person who's just got nothing but, you know, negativity coming out of them. And, you know, I just, I didn't want to be remembered that way. And so I figured I'd already done the damage in being remembered that way. So anyhow, maybe writing, rewriting this book, and explaining mental illness and trying to bring awareness to that might be a good idea for me. And, you know, uh, it would help me get over the, you know, the, the stigma that I feel from having mental illnesses and uh, the, uh, just the embarrassment that goes along with being mentally ill. And it's something that a lot of people fight alone and they, they, uh, a lot of people don't even come forward and don't even ask for help and don't even look for a way out of it and they have to deal with these things and sometimes they don't know how to deal with these things and it can end off in suicide you know and I, I, if I could if I could, if I could get that message out there that would be the most important thing for me and that by reaching out to the doctors and by looking for help and by admitting that I wasn't well and admitting that things were going on in my mind that I couldn't control and I didn't know how to control or deal with that, I believe, saved my life along with health care and these doctors that went out of their way to try to help me and try to save me and do everything they could in their power to help me heal and diagnose these problems and help try to medicate them. And so if I could get that message out there that reaching out and 
admitting you have a problem is the most, it's the most important thing to not stay alone with these issues. If you're suffering from mental illnesses or if you have things going on in your mind, or if you're so depressed that you don't know how to deal with each day and some days you don't think you can even get out of bed, let alone face life. It's seeking help for talking about it, telling people. And, you know, if it's not uh, people in your life that, if it's people in your life that won't understand them, telling a doctor about it and reaching out and trying to find help, that that's the most important thing, that you have to get help because, you know, you, you, you don't want to live alone with these things and let it fester and let it turn into something because, you know, you know, we all know stories of so many different wrestlers and so many different actors and so many people around the world that have, you know, committed suicide and died because of this, these illnesses. And, um, the first step is just admitting that you might have a problem and to seek help because there is help out there. And the stigma is going away and more and more people are talking about it. And uh, if I could just try to get that word out to people, anyone suffering alone with these illnesses, to reach out because there are hands that will help you. There are hands to, to grab a hold of, to help try to pull you out of this rubble. And that's what I've been trying to do for the better part of a decade now. And that's why I want to take this bag off my shoulders and I want to find some peace and leave the negative behind. And once again, we want to thank Jason Sensation for coming on. Uh, it's not the easiest subject to talk about. Mental illness is a, a real problem in the in the entire world. And a lot of people, as you mentioned, are suffering for it. Uh, we here at Another Wrestling Podcast encourage all of you to talk to people. Uh, let's, let's stop this stigma of mental illness. Uh, let's get out there and let's help each other. That's what this is all about. So... Uh, we want to thank you so much for listening to Jason Regeneration, and we look forward to hearing from him again next week. Promo of the week. The former manager of the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions Demolition, Mr. Fuji, along with the Barbarian and the Warlord, the Powers of Pain. Let <laughs> me tell you, Demolition. I did not know you were so stupid. You fall into Master Fuji's trick into signing a contract three against two for the World Tag Team Champion. Remember, in WrestleMania number four, I, Master Fuji, got you the belt. But let me tell you, after you got the belt, you have no discipline to Master Fuji. You are no one to listen to Master Fuji. So I got the power of pain. Bigger and stronger than you. And also, they listen to the Master Fuji. And I tell you, it's destined that we will win the World Tag Team belt. And once again, Master Fuji will have belt a run wave. <laughs> That's right. WrestleMania is going to be the tallest of the century. X, I have no respect for you. You are the champion. You are big and bad. So we are the same. But don't forget, we are stronger. And when the master say, quit on him, I will do it to satisfy him. Tell him, big man. Smash! 
Master Fuji has had us doing 5,000 push-ups a day, 1,000 sit-ups a day, and running 10 miles with Master Fuji on our back. And in our mind, we are going to win the belts for Master Fuji! <laughs> the weekend wouldn't be complete without the actual WrestleMania. Uh, that makes WrestleMania weekend, doesn't it? Um, Jonathan, if... There's a lot of wrestling going on. Like I think if you clocked it from sitting down at five o'clock uh, to when the pre-show started to when it ended around like eleven thirty, eleven forty-five or whatever, it was like seven hours of wrestling. Is that a lot of wrestling, Jonathan, for WrestleMania? Uh, granted, any fans gonna be like, nope, it's per-, you know, but I don't know. That was a lot of time for, for all this. What did you think about that as a whole? Um, I thought that when I sat down, I was like, man, I can't wait. WrestleMania, and then I was like, wow, it's been going on for a long time, but it's WrestleMania, and then I was like, <laughs> dude, I gotta go to bed soon, but it's, <laughs> it's WrestleMania, so I stayed up as long as the event was, and then that was it, uh, there was no room, I mean, I kept thinking, okay, it's 11, it's 11.15, uh, you know, and, and it just, it kept going, um, I don't know, man. I think that maybe instead of having all those matches, they don't want people to feel left out, and they've got this network, and they can, you know, they can stretch the time and all that stuff now because it's not really a pay per view anymore. But yeah. um, I, I think that maybe, and once again, I am not a booker. I'm not a promoter. I've never had to do this in my life. I can just sit here behind this computer and I can say these things. But I really think that um, this year, with all the injuries and all that stuff, it kind of hurt them it changed all the plans wrestlemania didn't have as big of a build for some of these matches um and i think that if that's the case then just don't put them on the card you know what i mean like um the the i i like i said it's hypocritical for me to say that i don't want uh the 10 divas match but it really didn't do anything you know what i mean like you've got bailey and oscar having an amazing match you've got becky uh, Sasha and Charlotte having probably the match uh, at Mania. And then you've got those 10, like, no one, you know, I, I'm glad that they let Bree go out kind of on a high note, but in all actuality, like, that match, uh, even the Dudleys and the Usos really didn't hold up. There was really nothing going on with that one. Um, so, yeah, it was it was weird. I, I loved WrestleMania. I enjoyed it. There were some amazing things that happened, but there's some also some things that could have maybe happened uh, on the Raw after Mania, and I would have been fine with that, too. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but well, let's I guess start about some of these uh, some of these mania matches, Jonathan. Uh, like we were saying, uh, you know, now that we're on the regular show, we're past the pre-show a little bit. Uh, you know, Zack Ryder won the IC Championship. I think I even predicted this on our WrestleMania special to where you know I was like, I want Kevin Owens maybe to walk out as champion, but at the same time, I want to see somebody different win it, and I think that person different winning it would have been Zack Ryder and. Lo and behold, Zack Ryder won it. And I'll tell you what, I don't think I popped as much as I did for any other match than uh, the IC match when Zack Ryder won it, only for the fact that it was different. You didn't see it coming. Uh, at first, you saw The Miz about to win it, and I was like, mm, The Miz. Like, I, I had nothing behind it. But seeing Zack Ryder get his WrestleMania moment, I think, you know, made that match for me right there. And I thought that was one of my favorite matches of the night. Yeah, the IC match was great. Um, you know, ladder match at Mania, you can't really go wrong. Um, you know, uh, knowing what we know now, I'm kind of sad that it was Ryder that won it because uh, just to, to lose it the next night is not, you know, the, the best thing. But uh, he is now in his books. He won 
a match at WrestleMania, the Intercontinental title, um, you know, his hero, he was talking about uh, holding Razor Ramon's title, and now he took a picture with Scott Hall holding his title. So uh, all worked out well for, for Zack Ryder. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a good match. It was one of my favorites of the show. Uh, but my favorite match, uh, lo and behold, once again, here we are talking about women's wrestling, was the Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte match at Mania. I loved this match. You know, Jonathan, I loved a lot of these matches, but at the same time, I didn't love the outcomes of them. Uh, you know, great match. I think Charlotte should have went in there as Divas Champion and should have been the last Divas Champion, and then I would have really loved to seen Sasha or Becky win the new Women's Championship. And uh, like I said, it's not taken away from the match that they put on. Like, I love the match. But a lot of these matches, man, I was just... I was just upset about the outcomes of it, pretty much. Like, I didn't really... Like, it was a great match, but at the end of it, I was like, eh, I don't really care about seeing Charlotte win it. You know, I was like, I would have been happier to see somebody else win it. But, you know, you can't win them all. But I don't know. Did you did you have the, the feeling about the, the winner, too? You know, I, I was fine with Charlotte winning. Uh, I thought that what it did was make everybody take notice, once again, of women's wrestling. Um... Charlotte did great. Becky did great. Sasha did great. You know, either of those two other than Charlotte are going to walk away with the, the new women's title at some point. And that's just amazing that they came out and did that. And the women, you know, Charlotte got the same fireworks as Roman. Um, you know, I, I think this is great. Like it's 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 this time in this world for people to be equal. And, um, you know, this was this was a highlight of mania. Um just to see this so i was very happy with it uh i i will say steve the one match that really confused me more than anything would be the aj styles versus jericho match before i get into what i have to say what do you think about this match this another thing jonathan another thing too to where i don't hate jericho but i don't really get why they're doing giving him a lot of these wins at this stage of his career. Uh, Jericho has done it all. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to even list his accomplishments. He's done it all. Uh, his name, you know, it, it is what it is. He did not need this win at Mania. Uh, granted, I don't know if this is backstage politics to where Vince isn't going to let one of these outsider guys from TNA or New Japan beat one of his guys like last year where Sting lost against Triple H. And I don't know. That could just be in my head. But I thought it was one of those things to where they didn't let him let him win because of where he came from. And it was kind of so soon because he literally just you know debuted at the Royal Rumble. And now he's getting a mania match. And for him just to get a win right away. But I don't know. It, it just didn't make sense for Jericho to win. And that was another match. I was watching that. It was a it was a okay match. I I still think Jericho can't keep up with AJ Styles in that uh all the DDP yoga he's doing is still you know still not putting him on par with AJ Styles and AJ I think has to slow down for him. Uh, so I kind of wish to I hope the next feud which we can get into later, uh, AJ is paired with somebody who can actually keep up with him and go with his speed. But at the end of the day, you know I think AJ deserved that win and it didn't happen. Well, once again, we're going to agree on this one. Um, I don't know, once again, like you said, if it was the fact that this was a the face of TNA coming in or whatever, but we have to look back two years. We look at WrestleMania 29 when Chris Jericho uh, allowed Fandango 
Yeah, I know. To, to beat him <laughs> at Mania. So, oh, now uh, that you bring that up, man, I'm just thinking in my head. So Fandango could beat Jericho, but AJ Styles cannot beat. All right, never mind. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> and, no, no. And we, we'll get into Raw after Mania here shortly. So we know that everything ended up turning out all right for AJ. But still, I think a win for him at Mania is awesome. You know, AJ's a little bit older than some of these competitors. This could have been his only singles match at WrestleMania. You know, next year it could be a tag match or whatever. So. To not let him end up having that win at Mania was a little peculiar to me, um, but you know it is what it is. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but what 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 do you got for us? What's next, Steve? No, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think moving on to the next uh, big installment of WrestleMania that happened was uh, the Hell in the Cell match. Uh, Jonathan, did it live up to the expectations that it should have? I mean, I think going into this, we all knew that Shane McMahon was going to do something crazy. Uh, but even at his age, I was like, well, maybe not that crazy. But yeah, he's still crazy. Uh, uh, what, did, what did you think of how uh, insane Shane McMahon was that night, jumping off that uh, Hell in the Cell? So I felt like, okay, I am probably one of the biggest Shane McMahon fans out there in the world. Uh, I thought that this match was going to just like be a five-star match and i don't know why but um i i still am i'm proud of what they both accomplished but it felt like to me that that entire match was built around him jumping off the cage yeah exactly i felt like it was all just like you know going to that high spot and that's it so uh with that being said uh it was a match it happened uh i'm proud of shane to get be able to go out there with his kids and show them that and, you know, he even got to come out on Raw. I hope it's not the last we see of Shane McMahon, but uh, this match maybe came a little too late um, in both of their careers. Why would you want to show your kids this, Jonathan? <laughs> I figured it was a guaranteed win when he was walking out with his sons, but then I, it was like one of those things you're going to let your kids witness you jump off this Hell in a Cell, and, you know, anything could go wrong in this, you know what I mean? That, he could have died in this, and, oh, man... It's, it was crazy. Uh, the only the only thing I can say is good luck to Shane and his wife ever telling his kids that they can't do oh. something like, hey, uh, kids, why don't you stop jumping on the bed or you'll get hurt? Oh, kind of like how you jumped off a 20 foot cage, dad. Like there's <laughs> there, there's no way that they can ever tell them not to do something that's semi dangerous because he literally jumped off a two story building. Oh, insane and you know like little things too like like you're saying it definitely built it around of him just jumping off this hell in the cell and uh you know even to where he had to like wire cut the the cage to get open to where i think that should have kind of already been rigged and somebody should have just went through that cage uh through that door without him actually having to cut it open but you know little things like that i guess you could nitpick about but yeah uh, it is what it is you know a lot of people thought we were going to see a lot of surprises or interferences in this match but it didn't happen and, uh, hey, I'll tell you what, for both of these guys doing what they did, uh, thumbs up, you know, for even attempting this. And I'm glad nobody got hurt. Uh, but, Jonathan, too, I was hearing a little bit of a rumble going around that, you know, this could have been Taker's last match uh, from what he was telling some people. Do you think Taker goes out on that? I don't think he goes out on that. I think that he's going to have to see how he feels. And I think it's time for WWE to start thinking about what they're going to replace undertaker with at mania um you know it's been a staple for so many years and now you know he's starting to wind down i don't think he's going to go out like this i think he'll have one more big match and then it'll be like you know when sean retired or or rick flair retired um so i think it'll be one big thing um and 
but yeah, I, d- I definitely don't think this is his last match. Well, Jonathan, you said it right there. They need a new staple at WrestleMania, and I honestly thought it should have been or sh- should still be Brock Lesnar, the man Brock. who put the man who put the one in twenty one and one. Uh, you know, they built him up. He beat the streak. I think you know he definitely coming out of the news of that he signed a multi-year deal again with him, maybe a three-year deal or whatnot. I'm not saying Brock needs to go 21 and whatever, but you know if you beat the Phenom, I think you should become the new Phenom and be that unbeatable guy. And granted, he did have a match at WrestleMania. It definitely was a match that definitely didn't really raise the bar or lower the bar. I don't, I don't know what it did, but it definitely didn't do anything for either of the guys. I'm just happy Brock Lesnar walked away with a victory uh, from this this match against Dean Ambrose. Uh, and by the way, I, I'm getting a little mad about this too because I think I was counting them. I think I was up to 11 suplexes, and Dean Ambrose miraculously can still get up after that and walk and do all this stuff. The man needs to sell. I'm sorry. The man needs to make it look like he just went through 11 suplexes. Uh, John Cena did it. The Undertaker did it. Uh, but no, you know, Dean Ambrose went through 11, and he was pretty much up and you know running around doing the same stuff that he does. And granted, I know the kind of character that he's building or he's built, but still, come on. You know what I'm saying? That's all I got to say is come on. Come well, on. I think that what happened is uh, out of this match, you've got – Dean Ambrose, who I don't know if WWE knows what they're going to do with him now for a while. You know what I mean? Like this, this match happened, and they, you know, yep. what what's going to happen next? But he took punishment from Brock. You know, Brock beat the Undertaker. Brock beat Cena. Brock beat all these people, and Dean stood up to him, got all those suplexes, got F five several times, got beat up. He took a licking, and he keeps on ticking, as they say. So. I'm not so upset with it. I think that it's all for the greater good of of uh, Dean to, you know, eventually uh, be taken more seriously as a, as a competitor and be seen as somebody who can, you know, go. I Dean reminds me a lot of, you know, people like Daniel Bryan or CM Punk or anybody that, you know, like he's not your stereotypical wrestler. He's not what everybody thinks of, but I definitely think he's got the ability to be a champion someday, but uh, they need to do things like this to make, people believe that he can be that champion definitely and jonathan i mean uh, coming to a close at wrestlemania i know there's a lot of in-betweens and this and that with the rock with a flamethrower that probably wasn't really needed uh the return of john cena and whatnot but i think if we get to the main event um do you think this was a wrestlemania caliber main event to you or i don't know how did, how did you feel about uh roman reigns walking away with the victory um i th- think that 90% of the people believe that that was what was going to happen. Um, the The match itself was fairly solid. I, I liked it. Um, I'm a fan of Triple H. Uh, I also don't hate Roman Reigns. You know, a lot of people just don't like him. Uh, the thing that I have to say about this is that Roman Reigns, yes, his father was a wrestler. Yes, he's related to The Rock. Uh but wrestling wasn't his first love. He played football. Um, you know, he came in with the Shield, and both of those guys had been on the Independence for a very long time. Um, I think that Roman Reigns, people are already automatically assume that he's been wrestling for 20 years, and that's why they think he should be better. 
but he's still very young in his career. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that Roman's got a lot, uh, a lot of stuff to give to the wrestling world. So I think that there's a lot of good things to come from Roman. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I think that we saw maybe it's just because it was the Raw after Mania, which we're going to talk about very shortly. But uh, I saw this kind of cocky, arrogant side of Roman that uh, I think that maybe more of needs to come out to, to really get this going. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, I don't hate Roman Reigns either. I think what I hate is that they're trying to make him something that he's really not. Uh, you know, we saw it, I think, the months leading into when he actually won the championship in December to where, you know, he was just a beast, a wild guy. Like, you know, he was doing things on his own, beating up people and whatnot, and it was great. But when you give him a mic and he's trying to be funny and it's just like, no, this isn't him. Why, what are you doing? You know, and granted, we, we said people to where, you know, they he quote-unquote shoved them down our throats to where, you know, he had to win the Superstar of the Year, had to win the Royal Rumble, had to do this and that, and to where... It's like, okay, we get it. He's your next, you know, you know, boy. You know, he's your next guy or whatnot. So I think people just didn't like that. That it was like it wasn't, you know, authentic. It wasn't like a Daniel Bryan where the fans were cheering him. They got behind him and made him put put him in that spot that he was at WrestleMania 30. Uh, but, you know, with Roman Reigns, he's a great look. you a great guy. Uh, maybe, you know, he's just not being himself. And I think once he starts being a little bit more of himself – um, I think we might see something else happen within that. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that was a great match to close WrestleMania with. And granted, you know, Triple H is great. Roman Reigns is great. I just, I don't know. It didn't feel like WrestleMania to me. I feel like we already seen too much of these guys as it is. Uh, not necessarily against each other, but I don't know. It just, it didn't really, I feel like we already saw this already. Uh, and it is what it is, though. But I guess you can't win them all. And, uh... Well, who knows what happens uh, with 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 the, their story as it goes? But you know, if we can get right into what you're saying, the the raw that everybody wants to talk about is the raw after Mania. Uh, Jonathan, what happened? I mean, uh, it was a great raw. I enjoyed it. What do you think? Okay, so I loved it. Uh, there's two things that really bothered me about it, and I'm nitpicking here. But the two things that really bothered me is that this whole match with Undertaker and Shane was. If he lost, then he's dead to Vince and all that stuff, and that he'll never be able to, you know, be on Raw again and blah blah blah. And not only was he on Raw, but Vince <laughs> said, "Hey, how about you just take care of Raw one night? We'll see how terrible you do." Like, whatever. Uh, so that bothered me. But then also they say Shane's in charge, and we only saw him actually like making one match really, and that's when he went up to Roman and told them that there'd be those four guys in the number one contenders match. So. It, you know, I like cohesiveness in the story. If you tell me, hey, uh, you're going to be uh, in charge, then I want to see him, like, making matches and talking to people or whatever. Um, that didn't happen. And don't tell me you didn't have enough time because you got three hours. So that <laughs> bothered me. Uh, but other than that, I was uh, very excited about uh, wrestling, and uh, I was very excited about that Raw. Yeah, it was definitely a head-scratcher, Jonathan, to where it was like, you know, the crowd popped for it. And it was, once again, I, th- I figured we'd see Shane backstage saying, you know, like we saw him talking to Apollo Crews who made his debut. Uh, but I figured you'd say, we get something out of him being like, you know what, I'm going to make this for all better. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna have this guy debut next. You know, like little things like that to make it actually look like he was booking Raw or doing something with it. But yeah, it was just like, you're in charge and, well, we're not going to really see you for the rest of the night. So <laughs> it's little things like that that they need to figure out and... Uh, 
I don't know, figure out the little details about doing that. And it, that's what was, yeah, it, it throws everybody off. But all in all, you know, it was still a good Raw. Uh, we got a lot of NXT t- uh, debuts, Jonathan. They pretty much gutted NXT somewhat. Uh, but that was a lot more debuts than I thought we would have gotten. What did you think? Yeah, before Raw, we saw Baron Corbin debut at WrestleMania during the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Um, and so it was cool to see him on Raw. I like his match against Ziggler. I thought it was really good. Uh, we also got to see Apollo Crews debut against Tyler Breeze, another NXT guy. So, uh, the, you know, this this is great because that's what you want. You want these characters to be able to come out of NXT, go straight to the main roster, and be able to be accepted or booed, whatever they're supposed to be. And so uh, within the, the one of the nights that we got to see was the, the debut of – uh, Enzo and Cass, and I know that we both were looking forward to that a lot. So uh, what were your thoughts about these call-ups? Oh, man. Uh, Apollo Crews I was surprised with because I honestly thought they were going to make him NXT champion and hang out down in NXT for a little bit just to work on that. But, you know, he has a great following. Uh, I think he'll definitely add to the Raw roster. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't hate the guy. I'm a fan. I can't wait to see what they do with him. Uh, but I'll tell you what, man. I was kind of worried a little bit about Enzo and Cass. Not so much of, you know not how they're going to handle them or whatnot, but just kind of how they would transition from there to raw. And I'll tell you what, I know that it was the raw after mania crowd or it was the mania crowd still, but man, he Enzo is golden on the mic. Uh, anything he says is just funny. It's hilarious. Uh, and I think they complement each other well. And I really hope uh, it, it, they're definitely a, a breath of fresh air back into the tag team division because I don't know. I, I don't mind New Day, but I think they, I don't know. I, they've run their course with how funny they could be. And it's like, you know, it's, after a while, it's the same shtick after, all in all. But I think Enzo and Cass could give them a run for money. And the promos back and forth with both of these teams, I think, would be awesome. And I'd love to see them become the tag team champions. But working with the Dudleys right now, I think, will be a great stepping stone for them. And uh, definitely, hopefully, the Dudleys, you know, will put them on the map. So I think that was really great. Yeah, the, you know, I, I just can't say enough about those guys. And, you know, once again, I think everybody was worried about Cass just because, you know, Enzo is so over the top. But they mesh very well together. And I think either together or apart that they're going to end up being great um, no matter what. So uh, I'm very happy with this pairing. But uh, we saw a fatal four-way match at uh, the, the close of, of Raw. We got to see it was supposed to be Jericho. Sammy, AJ, and Kevin, but Kevin Owens put a stop to that. He uh, put Sammy through a table backstage. So there was one spot open. Everybody was wondering who's it going to be, and he, any and every name was thrown out there, Hulk Hogan, Kurt Angle, you name it. Uh, the music went off. It was a returning Cesaro, which made a lot of people very happy. Um, what were your thoughts on this match, and who were you hoping would be the uh, number one contender? Uh, you know, I, at first, I honestly thought it was going to be Samoa Joe. I figured with his loss to Finn, you know, I think he's been in NXT for over a year now. And I figure, you know, does he really need to stay in NXT anymore? Uh, he did his job. He put people over. Uh, I honestly thought it was going to be Samoa Joe. It wasn't. Uh, it was Cesaro. And, hey, I, I love Cesaro. And I'll tell you what, out of this whole thing. You know, uh, those four guys, if that's what the main event picture is going to look like a little bit to where, okay, mine is Jericho, but, you know, AJ, Kevin Owens, and Cesaro, I'm happy. You got me happy right there. Just for these guys to at least be in the main event, maybe chasing that WWE championship down the line, 
that's awesome. Uh, I really hope they use Cesaro better this time around. Uh, he doesn't need to reach for those brass rings because the fans love him. Uh, so I really hope, I really, 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 really hope they use him a lot better than they have in the past. So it was definitely great to see him back, though. Uh, and AJ is number one contender, Jonathan. He won the match. What is going to happen? I, I know a lot of talk uh, is happening about maybe a Bullet Club versus the Shield reunion kind of a thing. I don't know what's going to happen. That's just, who knows what I just said. Uh, but, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but I almost think this is going to be the beginning of the, the Roman heel turn because you're telling me you're going to put AJ Styles up against Roman Reigns? There's no way, no way anybody's going to be che cheering for Roman Reigns. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this and what happens. Uh, what about you? What are your thoughts about this whole AJ becoming the number one contender. I mean, do you think what is it going to lead to is pretty much what I want to get to. Well, uh, I think it's going to lead to the possibility of SummerSlam. AJ Styles may be your and now. Now, I hope you're sitting down by SummerSlam. AJ Styles may be your WWE heavyweight champion. This is crazy. This is crazy talk. <laughs> he was the face of TNA uh, forever. And to have him be at this position where he's the number one contender. Um, I'm hoping, you know, if you if you guys haven't seen it yet and you have the chance to look online and look at his reaction after winning the match and the crowd was, you know, chanting him on in Texas. Uh, it's heartfelt. It's it's wonderful. It's one of those little moments in wrestling that make you fall in love with it all over again. Uh, I hope nothing but the best for AJ Styles, and I really do believe that at some point he will become. Um, the WWE champion, the cream rises to the top usually, and that's the that's what I'm hoping for. I do have to say that uh, I lost my mind when Cesaro came out and did a uh, like a tearaway tuxedo. I think that's what we're gonna yeah. call it. <laughs> that was probably one of the best moments of not only uh, I would say the entire weekend. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, uh, it's really going to be interesting what happens. It definitely keeps me enticed uh, of what's in store for the road to come. Um, and, you know, does it make you erase the hate for him losing at Mania, for him being the number one contender now? Or, I don't know, I'm still kind of mad he didn't win at WrestleMania. Uh, but, I don't know, what do you think? Why not both? That's what I said. <laughs> Why not both? Why couldn't they have done both? Exactly. Uh, I, it's one of those things. I said, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm a fan. And I'm a fan of AJ Styles, so I don't know why that couldn't have happened. Um, somebody out there can call in and say, well, this is why, obviously. Uh, and, yeah, sure, we can talk about it all day long. Uh, but for me, uh, I see AJ actually taking over that Jericho spot someday. And uh, for Jericho not to have lost that match, it's a little, uh, a little strange to me. Definitely. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. But, Jonathan, you know, we talked a lot about Mania Weekend. Uh, but regardless, the show must go on. We have an incredible guest today. Uh, joining us live in the studio is the Warlord. Uh, joining us on another wrestling podcast is one of the strongest competitors ever to lace up a pair of boots. He's enjoyed lots of success as one half of the Powers of Pain and went on to destroy the competition on his own. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Warlord. How you doing, guys? 
Doing great. Uh, I just want to remind everybody, you know, this Friday and Saturday, fans can see you at ECPW in uh, Roselle Park, New Jersey, and Brooklyn, New York for ECPW. Check out ECPW1.com for more info. Uh, but more importantly, uh, how's everything going these days? Everything's going great, man. They're keeping my partner and me really busy. Going around the country every weekend. We were just on WrestleMania last uh, Friday doing uh, a bunch of legend signings and that stuff. And then we were in Houston on Saturday. Great. Awesome. Well, uh, as as fans of wrestling, uh, Steve and I spent countless hours watching uh, any wrestling we could get our hands on growing up. Uh, was that the same for you? Were you a big fan of wrestling as uh, when you were growing up? Actually, you know what? I lived in uh, Minneapolis growing up, and I used to watch the old AEWA with Nick Bockwinkle, Billy Robinson, uh, <laughs> a whole bunch of the old stars up there, and because we didn't have cable TV at that time. So I actually watched it growing up like that. Then I went on to college, and uh, that's the first time I ever saw WWF come on. Found uh, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, British Bulldogs, all them, and I just decided at that time, I said, you know what, that'd be pretty cool to maybe be a wrestler someday. Awesome. Now, uh, you, you got started in the business uh, by a chance, uh, a meeting with Animal from uh, the Legion of Doom. Had you ever thought about uh, being a wrestler prior to that moment? I thought about it, but uh, when Animal discovered me, at, it was a place called Bed Gym in Plymouth, Minnesota. Yeah, we sat down. He said, you know what? He said, I think it'd be really cool, man. You should go ahead and get trained by Ed Sharkey and come out there and try to become a professional wrestler. I thought, yeah, man, that'd be cool. You know, it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> well, um, who actually ended up training you? And uh, what did you think about after your first day of training? Were you, were you uh, having second thoughts at all? Well, I got trained by Eddie Sharkey, same ones that did the Road Warriors. Uh, did a whole bunch of the guys up from Minnesota. Um, after the first day, I was sore because <laughs> we didn't have a wrestling ring actually up there. We uh, we taped mats together, wrestling mats together, on top of concrete floor, uh-huh. in the basement of a church. Outside it was about twenty below zero. You could see a breath down there, and we would slam each other, do all the stuff on top of that, and just beat the heck out of one another. Till it was just black and blue. But you know. You loved it so much, you just wanted to keep doing it, whether how much you got hurt, whatever, it didn't matter. You just wanted to keep doing it. Sure. Uh, now, uh, do you, did you ever, um, how, did, oh, how did you decide on uh, the Warlord as your ring name? Is there any unique story behind that one? That was another one with Animal. We sat down one day, we started kicking on names. He was kicking the names, I was kicking the names. And also he popped up Warlord. It was just an offset from the Road Warriors. He said, I, I would both look at each other. I said, that's it right there, man. That's a perfect name. Nice. That's awesome. Now, uh, after you came up with your, your name, uh, it says that, you know, you, you spent some time, you sent some pictures down to Dusty Rhodes, and uh, you were hired by him and started working for uh, Jim Crockett Promotions. What was your first impression of Dusty Rhodes? Dusty uh, was a unique individual, you know. I didn't really know Dusty. Um, but you know, when you first meet them, you just, there's something about them and that stuff for somebody that didn't have the body, didn't have the look. He had one of the greatest ring personas there ever was as far as charisma. His charisma was incredible. I mean, just what he could do out there, the way he could, he could put the, the working class man out there, the way he could talk, the way he could do the things in the ring was incredible. That charisma took him, you know, as far as he could go and, you know, he's just a great wrestler with it. 
Sure. Now, uh, do you have any memories of maybe your very first match? Did, did anything ever stand out uh, to you about your first match? Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, I actually worked with George South. Um, Duffy put me together with Baby Doll, which was with their group, with Duffy and all their group at the time. And I had never really even been in a ring yet. And I was in that kind of getting prepared for it. And uh, I go out there. I think I did three moves. I pressed over my head. I chopped them. I pinned them. I got up and I said, man, this is pretty cool. I'm getting paid for doing something like this. I like this, man. I want to keep doing this. Um, but I'll tell you what, I was nervous because those the older veterans in back, they had me going the whole time. The back there, hey, kid, don't worry about it, man. You get out there, you're only in front of about uh, two million people watching at home, so don't worry. You know, at that time, you're going to the bathroom about every two minutes. <laughs> well, uh, you also spent some time wrestling in Japan. Um, I can only imagine what their uh, thoughts were, you know, going down the street and seeing someone like uh, you and your size. Uh, were, were people pretty much parting the ways whenever you walked by in Japan? Yeah, they do. They, uh, those people are very, very, very good people over there. They, uh, they bow to you a lot. Um, they're, they're very into wrestling. They're not a kid with a boisterous. They're people that when they, when they see something that's a real good or strong move, they clap. And that shows you that they really appreciate a lot. You know, when you get up to bow to you again, it's really unique over there. I, I really love going to Japan. Nice. Oh, well, uh, after Japan, uh, you also came back to Jim Crockett Promotions and got paired with the Barbarian, forming the Powers of Pain. Uh, during this time, you started feuding also with the Legion of Doom. Uh, did you guys uh, like working against each other, or like working with the Legion of Doom? Oh, I love working with Adam Hawk. They're incredible. I mean, you got maybe the best tag team of all time. They changed tag team wrestling with the way they looked, the moves they did, everything that came together, just like I say, they were the persona of what tag team wrestling was going to at that time. And to go get in the ring with them, work with them and have incredible matches was just so much fun. Well, uh, you know, you guys spent a lot of time in Crockett Promotions together, but then you uh, you made the, the move to WWF. Um, how did that move come about? I know that there's some stories out there about, you know, you guys – uh, leaving um, after the the scaffold matches were were um, you know presented to you guys, but um, did did Vince and them contact you, or did you guys contact them? How did that all work? It actually came down to uh, Bob Coleman one night. I was home. It was on uh, the Thursday night. The way he talked, the way he talked, Bob was hey, Teddy. Vince or uh, Grizzly Adams called me. They wanted to fly tomorrow morning to Atlanta. I said, okay, Barbara, let's go to Atlanta. We're off tomorrow. So he flew to Atlanta. There was a limo waiting for us. Took us to this big hotel. Took us up to his room. Opened the room door. There sits Pat Patterson, Vincent Mann, and Hulk Hogan. So we sit at the table. They go through the whole spiel. And it's now a Friday at this time. And they go, at the end of that, Barb goes, I, Barb didn't talk that much back then. I couldn't believe he talked. He goes, he goes, when will he, Bob goes, when do you want us to start? And they go, we want you to start Monday. And I look at Bob and said, Monday? I said, is that Monday next week or Monday later? No, next Monday. Uh -huh. I said, wow, man, we got all this stuff for that coming up. And, uh, you know, but, you know, Bob wanted to go. And, and, and it was a great opportunity at the time and to be with those three in the same room at the same time, you know. It was cool, man. So we, uh, we did. Of course, we knew we were going to be the ones falling up that, uh, that scaffold every night. We're going to take those 20-foot drops every night. Sooner or later, you're going to hurt a leg. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, now, we hear a lot of people talk about how different other promotions were from the, the WWF back at that time. Uh, what were your initial thoughts uh, of the WWF getting in there? Um, you know, listen, and at that time, WWF was, when you make it to, you know, the NWA was a stepping stone yet. Mm-hmm. When you make it to WWF, you've made it. You've made it to the elite, elite of the elites, you know. Yep. All I remember is our first time we got to the first TV, and Barbie walking and we got our bags in our hands. We're going back to the locker rooms, and here Bajo walks by Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Ultimate Warrior, and all of a sudden there comes Randy Savage. And we both like drop our bags, and Randy comes up. He goes, "What's up, brother?" And I looked at Barb afterwards. He walked past. I said, "Barb, that's his real voice, man. I can't believe it." <laughs> you know, what, this is cool, man. I mean, we've actually made it to the to the biggest organization in the world, which was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Well, you just mentioned the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, obviously, Demolition, uh, Legion of Doom, and yourselves all had painted faces at that time. Um, when they brought you in, was there ever any talk about you guys not actually having your faces painted? No, not at all. They uh, they actually wanted us to have our faces painted at the time, and I really hadn't painted my face up at that time yet. So I had to try coming up. Actually, Barbarian was actually doing the painting for me at the time. And we were just trying to come up with something that would make sense with, with what he was doing. And uh, we just kept doing come doing, finally come up with it. And then I had to learn how to do it. And now I, I mean, now I can almost do, do it in my sleep now all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we mentioned the Legion of Doom earlier, but uh, were there any other favorite tag teams that you, you got a chance to work with while you were in the WWF? Oh, uh, there's there such great tag teams. We got a bunch with the Bushwhackers. There come the Bolsheviks. Um, Probably one of the best and some of the best matches we ever had was working with the Rockers. I mean, those guys, they put parachutes on for you. I mean, you, you could throw them 20 feet in the air, they come down a parachute down to the goddamn ring and that stuff, you know. And <laughs> sure. Just a lot of a lot of fun with those guys. They were incredible. Um, we were the Heart Foundation, which was incredible to work with, you know, Brett and Jimmy at the time. Um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun working with all of that stuff. And, of course, Demolition out there. You know, I mean, that's what tag team wrestling was tag team wrestling. And all those tag teams were just incredible. I mean, Telly Blanchard and Arn Anderson, I mean, you know, had them in that uh, one Survivor Series. I mean, they all were just incredible tag teams. Well, uh, you also enlisted the help of uh, Mr. Fuji as a manager, who's uh, obviously one of the greatest managers of all time. Um, what was it like to have him as a manager? Fuji was great because he knew the psychology of wrestling. We knew how to wrestle. But to actually get psychology out there and to learn why things are the way they are, when you do something, why you do it, that's what Fuji would watch us, and he would teach us. And afterwards, you go back and we go through things, and he would show us, this is what you should have done, this is the way we change it, and do those things, which makes you a far better tag team. That's great. And now, uh, you know, Mr. Fuji is also known for pulling a lot of ribs on people. Uh, were you ever the target of any of those ribs? No, thank God, Fuji loved us. <laughs> I know a lot of people that didn't like it so much. So listen, if Fuji liked you, he wouldn't read it. If he didn't like you, forget it, man. You weren't sleeping. Uh, now, after a while, the the WWF decided to you know break up the powers of pain, and uh, you went a little bit of a makeover. Uh, what did you think about the the new the mask and the the shoulder thing and the staff? Like, were you a fan of it? You know, it was it, it was a neat concept because it's very futuristic. Um, it was a futuristic looking warrior and that stuff. 
you know, I liked it in that stuff. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was a whole different thing from what we were doing. And, um, it took me a little while to get used to it. I think once I got used to it, I was able to start getting it over really good. Um, but, uh, like I say, it was, it was a lot different. Than, and also being a single competitor was a lot different, again, than being a tag team wrestler. Yeah. Um, now, you know, whenever they were pitching this to you or telling you that this is the idea that they kind of had for you, was there anything else that they had, or was this pretty much the, the one idea that they wanted to give you? That was pretty much the one idea they wanted to get. I remember when I was uh, doing that math, they flew me up to a place like in uh, upper New York, and it was a place that, uh, that you'd have to put, they, they put a straw in my mouth and put plaster of Paris on my face. And I had to sit there and wait, I don't know how many hours that sort of dried on my face. So you have, actually had the mask that was formed to the look of my face. Wow. Now, I, also, you know, when you broke off uh, from the Barbarian, did you enjoy being a singles wrestler? I mean, because you were tagging for a while, too. Uh, did you like the, the singles action? You know, I like both. I really like, I love tagging because Barbarian, I learned a lot from Barbarian. I mean, I think he is one of the best big man wrestlers has ever been. The agility, what he could do. I mean, just the things, I mean, Barbarian's incredible. He's an incredible wrestler for a big man. Um, but also it was nice doing singles, you know, because, you know, I got to work with some really nice views. I got to work a great one. I got I got to go out there and learn with uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, Tito Santana. Um, had some great, great matches, of course, first Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith. And uh, I got to have a nice run with uh, Brett Hill Van Hart when he had the international belt, which I learned a lot working with Brett. He was in, that, that's another guy, just an incredible wrestler. Well, um, you know, you are obviously very active still today, but um, what, do you, do you still watch wrestling today? Are you still a fan of it? I, I really don't get a chance to watch anymore. It's, it's changed so much. There's, the psychology's not out there anymore. Um, now it's just, it's, it's a lot of big moves. That's going to hurt so much because they're doing all these big moves, all these big bumps and that stuff. And you know, your body can only take so much and you end up getting hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not actually letting the fans be a part of the match anymore. Suddenly down, let the part, you know, get the fans into it and let them be a part of it and that stuff. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's all boom, 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 boom all the time and that stuff. Not actually settling down and, and getting the people going with it and then you do your things out of it. It's just, it's changed a lot now. Definitely. Now, you know, as we mentioned earlier this weekend, uh, you're wrestling for ECPW um, and you're doing a lot of conventions, like you said last week, and autograph signings. Uh, what's your favorite part about these kind of events? Meeting the people. Mm-hmm. Seeing the people that really appreciate the wrestling, um, how much they love your era and that stuff. And actually, they come out just to see that you're, you know, you're in good health yet, you look good, you've been able to take care of yourself and that stuff. And people really appreciate that a lot. They appreciate that you've done all that stuff. And, you know, and see you get on the ring and just do a, you know, a few of your old things that you used to do in that stuff. People really love that. Well, you've made quite an impact on not only the fans but other wrestlers over the years. Uh, how do you feel knowing that you helped mold some of the best wrestlers in the world with uh, the likes of Chris Jericho and Batista? I love it, man. I mean, I, I was funny. I got a... I haven't seen Chris in a while. We were at a steakhouse in Dallas on Barbarian Media in a steakhouse on Friday night. Real good steakhouse in Dallas. And Chris Jericho and his uh, family came in there. And I grabbed Chris real quick. And Chris, of course, was telling an old story about me to uh, Bob and our, our other friend, Mikey, that was with us. Um, about when I was in Japan, I, I'm just a person. I, I, the, only thing I, the only thing I ever want when I travel, just feed me. 
I want to eat. I just want to eat. <laughs> and I, I'll do whatever. Just feed me. <laughs> so it was like one of these little Japan places where Chris and me were at, and we could not. You know, it was like everything rolled up at 7 o'clock, and I was like, I was hot. <laughs> I, 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 I was just throwing a fit. I, had, I gave a guy a couple hundred dollars just with this goddamn place just to feed me. I didn't care. I wanted to eat that now, you know. And Chris, <laughs> of course, had that in his book. He was telling those guys, you know, some of the stories. But, uh, you know, it's an honor because Chris is just one hell of a wrestler. You know, the way, um, you know, what he's done in that stuff, his career and everything else. And, of course, Batista now. I mean, not only is a man, you know, an international superstar in wrestling, now he's an international superstar of movies. I mean, uh-huh. he's doing incredible. And, and that's an honor coming from Batista, what he put in his book and everything else. And I met him one time in Orlando back in 2008 at WrestleMania. It was a surprise. Someone set me up. And he came around the corner to give me a big hug, which was so cool. I mean, the guy is, that, that's an honor coming from Batista. Sure. And now, uh, you know, we talked a lot about wrestling today, but other than wrestling, uh, what do you like to do to keep yourself busy these days? Uh, I'm down here in South Florida. I work a lot. I do, I do private security and that stuff. And uh, it gets me pretty busy down here all the time. I mean, you know, I've been there, like I said, I've been out with Barbarian quite a few weekends on the road again and that. And during the weekdays, I do that. And then, of course, the other time, I got my little grandson I've raised since he was born. He's five years old now. And that's my best little buddy on this earth. Awesome. We uh, can't wait to see you this weekend. But um, where else can fans keep up with you? Do you, uh, do you keep up with, like, social media or anything today? Where can fans or promoters find you if you uh, if they're looking for you? We're just starting to do a nice little Facebook page. Uh, a friend of ours, Mikey, in North Carolina is helping us out. We set up a nice little Facebook page for Powers of Pain. It's showing our bookings. Um, if they want to go ahead and, and look in the book us, they can, they can uh, contact us on that, and we can get back with them and that stuff. And we're looking, of course, you know, we're older guys, so starting to catch up on the age of technology now. We're just going to get into Twitter coming up. I'm going to start getting that set up. Um, you know, we're going to try to get caught up on the latest technology now so we get caught up with the way everybody else is now. Well, that's great. Uh Warlord, thank you so much. Once again, everybody listening this weekend, be sure to check out East Coast Pro Wrestling this weekend, Friday and Saturday at Roselle Park, New Jersey. Uh, The Powers of Pain are taking on heavy duty. Head on over to ecpw1.com for more information. And once again, Saturday in Brooklyn, New York at Our Lady of Guadalupe School. So uh, thank you so much once again, The Warlord. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it a lot. We want to thank the Warlord for taking time out of his busy schedule for coming on the show today. Uh, You can catch him this weekend. He will be in New Jersey and in Brooklyn. For any and all information, please check out ecpw1.com. And, Steve. Hey. Next week, uh, we have another amazing, another wrestling podcast, if you will. That's right, and we're going to have another amazing guest because uh, do you know who I got on the show? I'm assuming it's got to be a very, a very big guest. Uh, Jonathan, uh, he's a beast. Let me just put it that way. He is Dan, the Beast Severin, uh, joining us live next week. Wow. Yeah, the, the hits just keep on coming. Uh, can't wait to talk to Dan Severin, and uh, I can't wait for you to hear what he has to say. 
Now, if you're in the Hudson Valley and you love comic books, action figures, and anything dealing with pop culture, head on over to collectorsrealm.net. You guys can visit them at the Duchess Marketplace on Saturdays and Sundays between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. That's Duchess Marketplace, located at 453 Route 9 in Fishkill, New York, just south of I-84. Head on over to collectorsrealm.net. Hey, all you professional wrestling fans out there, we here at another wrestling podcast have just the thing for you. If you've always wanted to join one of those monthly subscription sites that give you all kinds of treats and goodies in the mail, the best one by far is ProWrestlingCrate.com. You can follow them at PWCrate on Twitter or at ProWrestlingCrate on Instagram. Be sure to check them out and subscribe. Uh, The cost is nominal and you get some amazing things every month. And you never know what you're going to get. So tell them that another wrestling podcast sent you and enjoy the Pro Wrestling Crate. Head on over to PWPNation.com. It's a wrestling media website and community that loves professional wrestling. They strive on creating an array of interesting articles and reviews on everything professional wrestling. Head on over to PWPNation.com. Well, that's the show. We want to thank you all for listening today. Every week we do this show free of charge for you, the fans. And if you're wondering how to repay us, we have just the thing. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Hey, and while you're there, be sure to rate us and give us a good review. If you're looking for more information about AWP, then head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. We are all over social media, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you are an AWP super fan, you can also show your support by going going over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Another Wrestling Podcast and buying one of our official AWP shirts. We couldn't do this show without you, so tune in next week for (sighs) Another Wrestling Podcast. 